Pam K. Golden was a 43-year-old divorcee from Cabot, Arkansas. She was the mother of two and loved horses. On July 22, 1993, she was working at her sister's flower shop in Little Rock. At 4 p.m., she left, saying she was going to get some boxes to help a friend move. She was never seen again. I'm Ed Denzel, and this is Unfound. Hyperthymesia. Have you heard of it? I'd never heard of it until I saw an interview with the actress Mary Lou Henner. She was on the TV shows Taxi and Evening Shade, and she was also in that classic film Cannonball Run Part 2. In this interview, she talked about having hyperthymesia, which is the ability to remember everything that's happened in one's life. For her, she can remember every single moment that has happened in her life since she was 11 years old. Give her a date, say August 1st, 1986, and boom, she can rattle off what she did that day. As you can imagine, it's a very, very rare ability, and it's truly incredible. But there is a downside. For these types of people, time doesn't heal all wounds. For them, every horrible circumstance, a car wreck, their child's sickness, the death of a loved one, for them, it's like it just happened yesterday. Now, for the rest of us, we forget things. Actually, we forget quite a bit. Sure, we remember the big moments, the good and the bad, but a lot of stuff slips through the cracks. If we don't continue to think about those occurrences, if we don't write them down, if we don't film them, they will eventually disappear somewhere in our minds. During my discussions with Rita Hall, who is the interview for this episode, The topic of facts and memories slipping through the cracks came up. But what we found is by talking things out, me asking questions, her probing her memory, those days and weeks before and after Pam Golden disappeared became alive again. And what we discovered is this case is surely about a lot more than a woman taking one wrong turn. And now a summary of the case. This is brought to you by my friend Megan Good's site, Charlie Project. Pam was last seen leaving Cloverdale Florist on Baseline Road in Little Rock, Arkansas at 4 p.m. on July 22, 1993. Before leaving, Pam asked her sister Rita, the owner of the shop, where she could get boxes. Her sister suggested the liquor store down the street, no more than a quarter mile away. Rita gave directions to Pam, telling her to pull out of the parking lot and turn left. Pam acknowledged the directions, then exited. However, Rita then watched as Pam pulled out and turned right instead. That evening, Pam's plan was to help her friend Tina McIntosh move out of her house she shared with her husband, Robert. Tina told Pam she wanted to divorce him because he was abusive. Pam, being divorced herself, volunteered to help her friend in this time of trouble. However, the next day, Tina called the flower shop to tell Rita that Pam never showed up that previous evening and nobody had heard from her since. In fact, it was later determined that Rita was the last person to see Pam the previous day when Pam pulled out of the parking lot and went in the wrong direction. 
The next Monday, four days later, Pam's truck was discovered in a parking lot no more than 300 yards from the flower shop. With all the searches done for Pam the previous three days, the family was quite sure the truck had not been parked there for very long, no more than 24 hours. However, due to police laziness and them not taking Pam's disappearance seriously, the truck was never wiped for prints or searched for any other physical evidence. Since July 22, 1993, there have been no sightings of Pam Golden. Pam's family believes she was murdered, as they don't think she would have abandoned her two children. Her case remains a mystery. The interview for this episode is with Pam's sister, Rita Hall. Unfound News. I need to give a shout-out to Justin and Aaron from the podcast, Generation Y. Myself and Unfound were mentioned on their most recent episode in which they examined the disappearance of Robin Abrams, a case we previously covered on Unfound. I was very happy to help them in the small way that I did, and I appreciate their acknowledgement. I'm always happy to help other podcasts in any way that I can, whether it has to do with contacts, information, and or advice. We are moving fast at Unfound. Within the next few weeks, you'll be seeing the very first Unfound website. It's something I've resisted for a while because, frankly, there wasn't much to put on it. But now that I have a decent-sized archive of cases, over 30 of them now, along with the other interviews I've done, I thought it was time. It will be an ongoing process as more info is added week after week because I've collected a lot over the last 10 months. But importantly, I'll be having a sign-up for the first-ever Unfound email list. By signing up, you'll get to download a super-secret episode that I recorded back in February that only one other person besides myself has heard. And she loved it. I hope you will, too. Finally, work on the Unfound book continues. Actually, I should call it books, plural. Because after speaking with my book editor, who has worked with me for over six years, we determined a book full of all of the cases I covered might be a thousand pages. So instead, I've decided to break the first year of Unfound up into volumes containing probably seven to ten cases each. Meaning it will probably be four or five volumes to complete the entire first year from last August through this July. They will be reasonably priced with discounts for Facebook group members and there will be ebook versions. Where you can find Unfound? On Twitter, at Unfound Podcast. You can email the program, unfoundpodcast at gmail.com. On Instagram, at Unfound Podcast. On YouTube, do a search for the Unfound Podcast channel. I've been uploading some of the older episodes. I hope you've been enjoying them. On Facebook, the Unfound Podcast discussion group. This past week, we went over a 1,000 members, and I need to give a shout-out to Grace. I'm not going to say her last name. She was officially the 1,000th member of the group. You can subscribe to Unfound at Podomatic, iTunes, Stitcher, and a few other apps. And if you're new to the program and like it, give it a five-star review on iTunes. And please mention Unfound to all your friends and neighbors, along with spreading the word on WebSleuths, Reddit, podcasts we listen to, and all other true crime websites and forums. I'm so fortunate to have on this episode of Unfound, Pam Golden's sister, Rita Hall. Rita, welcome to Unfound. Thank you. 
welcome. Rita, please tell the listeners about your sister, Pam. What do you remember about her growing up with her? What can you pass on to the listeners? Um, she was actually my, she's 10 years older than me, and she's actually my hero. Uh, whatever she did, I had to do. You know, I followed her around, and uh, I was real close to her. Um, like I said, anything she did, I had to do. I had to follow her around. So, yeah, she was she was just my big sister. So if she had hobbies, you ended up taking up those same hobbies. And oh, I, yeah. You know, and I know in, in families like that, maybe you got passed down some of her clothes or – or whatever over the over the time things like that. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, growing up, we we grew up on a farm, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, we had cows and horses and pigs, and you know, um, she she's actually the one that uh, taught me how to ride horses. She got on a mare that had a colt, and I wanted to go with her, and she wasn't gonna let me ride, so she just put my little two-year-old body up there on that colt, and she said, "Ride or fall off," and that's how I learned to ride horses. At two years old. Uh, yes, at two years old. Oh yes. my! Sure did. Yeah. I mean, you know, I I wanted to to be with her. I wanted to do what she was doing. She got into the uh, doing flowers. I had to do it because that's what she did. How many uh, brothers and sisters did you have? And uh, were there any uh, there, siblings between you two? Yes. Uh, there was one sister that was five years older than me, and then I have a brother that is five years younger. So there was four total. And then we actually uh, uh, we had a cousin that lived with us for several years in there, too. And she was between uh, my middle sister, Arlene, and, and Pam. But you would still say that you were closest to Pam, even though Earlene, oh, I guess, yes. even though Earlene was closer to you in age. No, no, I was never close to Earlene. <laughs> <laughs> we thought we thought cats and dogs. She was actually closer to my brother. Uh, you know, she took care of him. You know, he was basically her baby. Uh, but I, I never got along with her. She was not like. Um, Pam and I, Pam and I enjoy the outdoors, anything that can be done outdoors, you know, building fence, mowing yards, anything like that. Arlene was more of, she wanted to be in the house and to learn how to cook and clean and all that. And I never, never, never wanted to do that. Okay. So Pam, uh, you were 10 years younger than she is and she ends up getting a teenager into her twenties. Uh, what can you tell the listeners a little bit about that time of her life? Um, she ended up uh, uh, getting married, having children. Yes. She went to, uh, she went two years of college and she just, just couldn't handle it. Uh, and you know, came back home. Uh, she got married, uh, boys she dated, you know, in when she was in high school and, you know, some when she was in college. Uh, they got married and a couple of years later she uh, had her first child and uh, then a couple of years later, later she had her youngest. So she had two boys. And what year uh, did she get ma- uh, married? Uh, I cannot tell you. I know I was... Uh, about 11 years old. So um, I know that when her oldest son was born, I was 13. 
I'm 13 years older than my nephew. Go around that. You know, I'd have to get paper and pencil out. <laughs> okay, that's fine. You don't need to do that. You don't need to do that for this interview. That's fine. Okay, so we we go up through the 80s. She's married. She has children. But then something um, goes on at, at the beginning of the 90s. Um, what can you tell the listeners about that? Well, uh, my daddy passed away um, in 1990, and it hit Pam really really hard um her she was she was real close to my daddy she was basically daddy's girl whatever daddy wanted done she would do it she was always the first one there you know teach me how to do this teach me how to do that of course me being the way i was i wanted to do the same thing um uh my daddy was an alcoholic um he basically drank on the weekends, and uh, I just kind of distanced myself after what I saw he put my sister through. You know, he would show up at her house, you know, drunk and make a fool of himself and things like that, and I was not I was not going to do that. You know, I was out of the house. Um, you know, I just, I, I wasn't going to put it. Well, he passed away. And it really, like I said, it really hit her hard. And I think at that particular time, I don't know if she she was losing something. Um, I, I, I'm not really sure uh, because that's when she kind of started drifting away, uh, even though we lived right next door to each other. I mean, there was um, the three of us, Pam, me and my brother all lived right together. I mean, we have, there's 30 acres and we each had 10 acres. Uh, but she started, she started drifting away. Um, there was issues with my, my daddy's will, you know. Uh, he left everything to me and my brother and left her out. And I think that that, that in her mental state, you know, really needed it really hit her hard. I guess. Why do you think way. that was? I, Why I, did he you know, leave her out of the will if she was so close to him? Because when her boys started getting up, you know, being teenagers, being teenagers, you know, they're they want to don't want to hang out with Grandpa anymore, and he would make comments about, especially the oldest son. Uh, oh, well, he's a sissy, or he's this, or he's that. Being a mother, she, of course, is going to take up for her children. So her and my father started having trouble communicating and doing things even before he passed away. And him and my mother had gotten a divorce, and at that time, they were already having trouble as far as, you know, trying... She tried so hard to, to, I guess, to get his approval, uh, and it just it was it wasn't working. And and you, and you say you noticed the, and you say you noticed these changes after he, you know, like something that she didn't reconcile before he passed away. Yeah, I, I, I think that I think that's part of it. She did not reconcile with him before he passed away. Mm-hmm. I was actually the last child that. Spoke to him before he died. 
and she ended up, so you're living beside her. So you were seeing this change, you know, happen and yeah. she ended up getting a, a divorce of her own. Right. Eventually. Right. And I had, I had, I had tried to talk to her and tell her, please go to the doctor. See if, you know, because she was, I mean, she's 40 years old, you know, she, I don't know if she's going through early menopause or she was having trouble with her mind. You know, I mean, a, a, a woman's hormones can get all messed up, you know, and they just go, they just play havoc with your, your mind. So I don't know if, if that was happening to her and I just, I begged her, please just go to the doctor, you know, see if he can't help you. Talk to somebody. And she just, she wouldn't do it. She mm-hmm. just would not do it. She was she was set. This is how she was going to be, and well, nothing we could do about it. And it wasn't that she just got divorced, and this maybe goes to what you're talking about, how you maybe wanted to have her go see a doctor. She ended up having an affair with one of her son's friends. Correct, correct. Uh, he had, uh, this boy had moved in with them, and um, I don't even know why. I didn't really know that much about him other than, you know, just seeing him around. Um, and then apparently they started having an affair, and her husband caught him in an embrace in the kitchen, I believe, or something like that. And then that's when just all hell broke loose. But- and so she gets gets divorced. Does she move out, or does her husband move out? Or? No, no. She moves out. Her and this boy move out, and they move uh, to Cabot, which is a town that's 20, 20 miles north of Scott, where we live. But around the same time, you had talked about earlier, as kids, you were riding horses. She's 12. You're two on, on, on the little horse. But she got into rodeo at some point. Right, and that right. was something new, I guess maybe something new to her, a new hobby. And were you surprised by that? And she ended up meeting or knowing some people that were already into it. What can you tell everybody a little bit about that? Well, uh, we've always had horses, but she was getting, you know, her boys were getting to the age where they didn't need mama to take them to ball games and do this. You know, they're, they're, they're teenagers and they're doing things their own. And I don't know if if she got back into it to, um, you know, give herself something to do uh, as far as occupying herself since her boys didn't need her so much anymore. And she did start it, you know, rodeo, and then she was buying and selling some horses and stuff like that. And, um, no, that did not surprise me. Now, you know, her moving off with this 20-year-old boy surprised me, but. That did. I'm sure it did. Now, there are a couple people that the listeners need to know about before we, we go further in this, and we just want to mention their names, Robert McIntosh and Tina McIntosh. Who are they? Just in general for now, who are they? They were, I know that uh, Tina was a friend of Pam's, and I'm sure um, that that's where she met her was when she had moved up to Cabot and they had been doing, you know, this rodeo and, and horse showing, you know, hanging out at the rodeos and stuff like that. And how long had 
Pam known Robert and Tina? Was it just a couple years, or did she just know them? Just a from... couple of years, as far as I know. Okay. Okay. Like I said, she 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 kind of left. You know, even before my daddy passed away, she was kind of venturing away from the the family. You know, like me. I mean, at that time, you know, my kids were little. I was busy. You know, working and and taking care of them and things like that. Did she have a job? Did she work? I mean, you said she's some of my horses selling them, maybe buying and selling them. But did she have, no. I, I guess, a regular job, I guess no. what you call it? No, no. She's never had a regular job. She worked for my daddy off and on uh, over the years. Uh, at one point, she had a screen printing business. That didn't last long. She had uh, she had a wedding business where she did weddings on the weekends. Um and that was actually before her youngest son was born. So as far as like a job outside of the home, no. Let's move uh, to the day she disappeared. So she's in this relationship with this much younger guy. Uh, she has this rodeo uh, hobby with horses. She's going places, and uh, um, I'm not into rodeoing, but she's doing uh, having a horse hobby. And she ends up coming to work for you for a couple days. And how did that all come about that she ended up working for you, particularly on the day that she disappeared? How did that happen? Well, I had my business partner was on vacation. And uh, there was only the two of us that worked there. So I had, you know, contacted Pam and asked her, would she like to come at the flower shop and, and work for me for three days? You know, she can make up silk arrangements or whatever, you know, kind of restock. And so she did. And she worked uh, on Wednesday uh, and she worked on Thursday. She was supposed to work uh, on Friday. Now, on Thursday, Wednesday and Thursday, and I've really been thinking about that, she kind of talked a lot like, Things that happened, like when we were, were young kids, you know, kind of going through our childhood together. And she talked about my daddy and, and uh, you know, why things like that that bothered her and what he did to her and she did to him. And, uh, you know, we just kind of talked back and forth, just how, you know, just for shock. And I thought, you know, maybe maybe everything's going to be okay. Um, and like I said, she lived 20 miles north of Scott. Well, my flower shop was 20 miles south of Scott. So she had 40 miles to, to get home. And, um, she left the flower shop at four o'clock that day. She asked me, she was going to help Tina McIntosh move. She was leaving Robert. And was this so news to you when she said that? I mean, I don't know how well you knew Robert and Tina, but was that news to you? Had she ever mentioned to you before that well, Robert and Tina were having problems? Well, she just kind of talked about it briefly while we were working uh, Wednesday and Thursday, you know, how abusive Robert was and Tina was fed up with it and she was leaving me. And so she had asked me, where the closest liquor store was because she was going to get some boxes. 
I explained to her, when you pull out of the parking lot, you take a left, you go to the stoplight, you take another left, and it's right there. When she pulled out of the parking lot, she turned right. And I said to myself, now that is not the way I told you to go. And that's the last anybody's seen or heard from her. You had to be thinking, didn't I just tell her? I mean, of course, this is well before you knew she disappeared. You had to be thinking, what is my sister thinking? Right. That's not the way I told you to go. Now, granted, there were two grocery stores up on the corner going right, but, you know, it was a mile and a half down the road. She didn't ask me where the grocery stores were. She knew where those were. She asked me where the closest liquor store, and I don't know if it was because of the boxes, you know, that the bottles come in and they could put glasses in that had separators. I'm not really sure. So she was going to get these boxes whether it's from the liquor store or wherever else. And she was going to head to where Robert and Tina McIntosh live. And she was helping Tina leave because Tina was deciding to get divorced. Just, I guess, just like Pam had gotten divorced uh, a few uh, years before that. Um, Anything unusual? Were there any unusual phone calls at the, I mean, you've obviously in the last 24 years had a lot of time to think about this. Any unusual phone calls, anything? If she received a phone call, I I really can't remember. I mean, I think it would have stuck in my mind, but you know, my flower shop had two business lines. So it could have been that I was waiting on a customer or I was on another phone or something and somebody might have called her was it your was it your impression when she did she tell you like the day before that she was going to be leaving early because your store was usually open to what time on a thursday back then well no she didn't she wasn't necessarily wanting to leave early usually in in the flower business after two o'clock in the afternoon it gets really slow all the deliveries have gone out so I basically said, you know, if you want to leave at four so you can get home, that's fine. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like a set schedule. And so her leaving at four o'clock was not unusual. She's probably, even if she wasn't going to help Tina McIntosh move, if that didn't even exist, she could have probably left at four o'clock and that wouldn't have been any big deal anyway. Right, right, right. Okay. And so she's going to get these boxes and then she was presumably, um, going to be going home, but what happened later that day? Well, her youngest son, Chad, was going to spend the night with her that night. And, um, you know, I guess she was going to go deliver these boxes to Tina or pack up or something, and then she was going to meet Chad, and he was going to spend the night at her house because the boy that she was living with was in Oklahoma. He was going to uh, uh, learn how to horseshoe, shoe horses. So he wasn't there. And so Chad, and I really can't remember, he might have called me that evening and wanted to know where his mother was, uh, or he might have called me the next morning, but I'm... I'm most positive he called me that evening, and I, you know, told him she was going to get boxes and help Tina move, and then she was going home. How and close, was, if I may ask, how close did Pam live to Robert and Tina McIntosh? Like, if she was going to their house, was that way out of the way from where she lived? How would you describe that to the listeners? 
uh, I was trying to, to figure that out. There's so many back roads uh, that go through there. So it might have been, you know, maybe 10 miles or so. She would have had to have, if I'm remembering where they live, bypass her house to get to the, their house and then backtrack. So she lives 40 miles away from the, the your shop. They lived right. even further away from your shop. Right. And so Chad shows up maybe at 7 o'clock or 8 o'clock in the evening. He's, you know, she's not there. Um, I've talked to Chad. People should know that I, t- I had an opportunity to talk to Chad. Very uh, nice. I call him a young man. He's He's younger than I am, so I guess anybody that anybody younger than that would be a young man. Enjoyed talking to him, and he said that she just wasn't there, and uh, he didn't have a key or anything like that. And so uh, he left. And what happened the next day? When did you start to feel like something wasn't right? Well, when she didn't show up for work. You know, I thought, well, maybe she's caught in traffic. And usually by 9 o'clock, you know, she would have had plenty of time to get there. And I kept wondering, where is she? What has happened? And uh, Tina called me and wanted to know. She wanted to talk to Pam, and I said, she's not here. I don't know where she is. She was supposed to be here at 8 o'clock, and she's not here. And, you know, I don't know what else the... I I, I want to say I asked her well she was coming to your house with boxes and I I really don't think she said or if she did I don't remember well she didn't show up or something apparently she didn't show up do you have any uh, knowledge if the the evening before being that Pam was supposed to go to Tina and Robert McIntosh just to help Tina move out do you have any knowledge that Tina the night before tried to contact Pam or contact you when Pam didn't show up? Or contact anybody uh, well, for that many, maybe your ex-husband, anybody? Yeah, not that, I, not that I'm aware of. She didn't try and contact me because I don't think she had my, my home, home number. But, um, and she didn't try to call your shop, but you might not have had an answering machine or anything. Right, right. right. I did not have an answering machine. But she did call what you could say first thing tomorrow or the next morning. And yes, yes. that's when you knew something was wrong. Did she sound surprised yes. when you said, well, she said she was going to your house. I don't know what happened. No, she, did, she didn't sound surprised. Okay. So what'd you do? What'd you do next? Fretted and worried all day. And um, when I got home that evening, I called my brother. And, you know, said, we can't find Pam. We don't know where she is. And we live in Pulaski County. So we called the sheriff's department because we're not in the city. So we called the sheriff's department and they came out and we told them, you know, what the deal was. And they said, well, okay. And, you know, took a report. And I guess that's basically it. Um they, they, at the time, did not look at adult disappearances like they do today. They still, they still are not on top of that, which they need to be. But um, then, you know, we decided the next day, which would have been a Saturday, 
we get in our vehicles and we are driving all over Southwest Little Rock. Because that's where my flower shop was, was at. Looking for anything. Her truck, her, her anything. Nothing. There was nothing. Um, supposedly, the police questioned uh, the liquor store that she was going to. Uh, she did not show up there. Um, you know, and we described her. I described what she was wearing, you know, what she looked like, her vehicle. You know, and, and I told the, the sheriff this, you know, I described what she had on, what kind of vehicle she drove. Um, and, you know, we didn't, we didn't find nothing. And, you know, we're frantic by this time. We don't know what, we don't know what to do. Police are no help at all. And the, the listeners should understand, I actually did a Google map check of how far all, everything is away from each other. And that liquor store, less than a quarter of a mile away from your store. Less. Correct. And and the grocery scores, if she did go out and just decided to make a right to go into the grocery store, not that far either. They're further away from the liquor store, but maybe still quarter mile, a little over a quarter mile, not far. Yeah. So she was going to get boxes. She didn't have to drive very far, and it was in an area that she probably felt very comfortable in. Yes, yes. Okay. What were you thinking at the time? I mean, did you, I, I mean, obviously you were, you were worried, you were panicked, but did you just think that she might've just rode off somewhere to take some time to herself? Or did you think that maybe something a little darker happened? I, I immediately thought something had happened. You know, uh, had a car wreck at the hospital, you know, anything. I mean, we, you know, call the hospitals, you know, we call the, you know, the sheriff's office, you know, can you find out if there's been an accident or, you know, and nothing, nothing. And so we go from the next day after, which would have been a Friday, the Saturday that you go all around looking for driving around, nobody's seen her, nobody's heard from her. And we get to Monday and her truck is found. What can you tell the listeners about that? Well, it was actually a friend of her oldest son. Uh, he was working in that area, and he was coming uh, west to east down Baseline Road, which my flower shop was on Baseline, and he spotted her truck in the parking lot. So he comes to my flower shop and says, I found Pam's truck. And I immediately jump in my vehicle and go over there, and I'm going, yeah, that's Pam's truck. So I called uh, my brother. Uh, I called my ex-brother-in-law, and I said, Pam's truck is here. I called the sheriff's department. I called the detective, and he said, oh, well, that's, that's nice. Y'all just go ahead and take it home. And I said, what do you mean, take it home? I said, are you not going to come out here and do fingerprints or open the truck up or anything? I mean, I basically had to force him to even come out there and look at the truck. And then we had to get it unlocked. I, I can't remember if we called a blacksmith or, you know, maybe my brother-in-law had a spare key. I don't know. And 
I had given her some vegetables from my garden, and they were still in the front seat of the truck. Her purse was gone, and this truck was that extended cab that had, like, the, the bench seat in the back. That seat was always in the down position. That was one thing I noticed. It was always in the down position because she always just, you know, had stuff back there. That seat was in the up position. Now that that I found odd, you know, and we really wanted them to do, you know, do fingerprints, you know, see that button that locks it, you know, do that. See whose fingerprints on that, you know, anything. They they did not want to do nothing, nothing. Was this still? Do you believe this is because they still had the attitude that she's a grown woman? If she wants to go yes. somewhere, that's it. Yes, 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 and they still have that attitude today. The listeners need to know something. This truck was found how far away from your florist chopper? Now, listeners, remember, the last time that Rita saw Pam was at her shop. How far was the truck found away from your florist shop? It was not even a whole city block. Very close. Very close. In fact, it was was not there Saturday or Sunday. Hmm. In fact, the, the truck was found the truck was found Night closer Night. to the florist shop than the liquor store was to the florist. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Were there any boxes in the truck? No. Zero. There was nothing in the truck but the bag of vegetables. What can you tell the listeners about how the wheels were turned? That was this was very some this was very uh I think very observant on your part, Rita, way back at the time. Uh, tell the listeners okay. a little bit about that. If you pulled out of the parking lot and you went right and you did the boxes and you came back and say you were going to go to the liquor store and look for boxes, when you when you pulled out of this liquor store, you would go straight to the intersection and you would turn into the parking lot left. You would not turn left at the light and then get up there and go, oh, wait a minute. I'm going to turn in here and go in this, go turn back right. Because the way the wheels were turned is like she came from the west side and turned into the parking lot. Whereas the grocery store, whereas the grocery stores were to the east side of where her, where her truck was found. In fact, your store was to the east side of where her yes. truck was found. Yes. But it looks like the truck came from the west. That's very interesting. Yes, yes, yes. Was the seat moved? I mean, how tall was Pam? Did it look like maybe the seat? I mean, you talked about the back seat, but the front seat, maybe it was one of those big benches the trucks back then had. It, it, it was a big bench seat, and um, it did not look like it was pushed back. You know, like somebody, a big person had got in it. Because she was, you know, she wasn't but like 5'2". So, you know, the, the seat would have been pushed up so she could reach the pedal. And it did not look to me like it had been pushed back. So the police didn't want to do anything. In fact, nope. you had described to me that the sheriff was like on the verge of retiring. So you couldn't even get him to show right. up and take an interest in it right. at all. Right, right. What happened to the truck after it was found that day? 
she actually had borrowed the money from, uh, it was a friend of my father's that uh, Pam had actually done some work for, uh, like doing some landscaping work. I had a, a, an uncle that had a landscaping company, and she worked for him a little bit. And she had actually done some work for this friend of my father's, and he co-signed for her to get this truck. So we turned the truck back over to him. And to your knowledge, after you he got the truck back, did the police ever afterwards do anything? Or did this guy who co-signed who got the truck, did he, like, keep it there just in case the police might be – do you know what he ended up doing no, with the truck? No. At? Uh, actually, I think one of his uh, grandchildren was driving it because I had seen it a couple of times around town, and it was really kind of spooky because the, the granddaughter had hair like my sister's. I mean, it wasn't my sister. Believe me, I tra- chased the truck down a couple of times. I bet that had to be very, uh, very creepy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was – and so after that truck – was found since then there hasn't been many things found her purse was never found her the, the truck keys were never found nobody has come forward to say you know what i did see her at the grocery store i did see her nothing like that nothing nothing okay let's move on um we're going to talk about some some people who were involved in Pam's life, and we're going to, of course, get to the most important ones. I think maybe we could call them decent suspects. But uh, you had re- you had said earlier, but we just want to go over this again. Where was Pam's boyfriend at the time that she disappeared? He was in Oklahoma going to farrier school, which is how to learn how to shoe horses. And so he was nowhere near, there's no proof that you know, he nope. came back to Arkansas, anything like that. No, no, no. And, and, you know, I'm sure that, you know, the sheriff's office, you know, may have contacted the school and said, I don't know if they did or not. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And even so, there's there's really no motive that you know of that the boyfriend would no. have. None. No. Okay. No. What about uh, Pam's ex-husband? Uh, He was uh, taken in and questioned. Uh, He did take a polygraph test, which he failed. But they explained, because he is a very emotional person. And, um, I mean, it still bothers him today. I mean, he really didn't want a divorce. I mean, he was doing it because that's what she wanted. you know, I think he was still in love with her. You know, would have done anything for her. I don't, uh, I honestly don't think he would have done anything to her. Now, there are other people who think otherwise, but I don't. Did he have an alibi uh, for that day, to your knowledge? Do you know personally where he was uh, the day that Pam disappeared? Would he have been in the yeah, area with his work or whatever else? Uh, no, no. I mean, he, he worked the night shift uh, at uh, ABF. 
So I don't know as far as like at the particular time she disappeared. Uh, I want to say he was at a uh, baseball game. But I, Lord, I can't remember. Did those two days that Pam and she worked together, this, uh, can I ask this? Being that you, you had told me that once your father died, she'd been drifting away from the family. Those two days that you spent with her, were those, was that the most time you had spent with her in a while or were you seeing her regularly? Yes. yes. No, it was the most time I'd spent with her in a while. And she didn't have any complaints, any ex-husband complaints, any arguing? And... No, no, no. I think that once she left, they didn't, uh, you know, other than I think she just talked to her boys. I don't think she talked to him much. And there weren't any custody issues or money issues? Oh, or... no. No. Between them? I mean, she basically left the house, the kids. She just walked out with the clothes on her back, and she didn't even take all them. Now we come to Robert and Tina McIntosh again. And if people remember, this is where Pam was allegedly headed uh, when she disappeared. Let's talk a little bit more about them. Uh, Tina was allegedly wanting to... Uh, leave Robert. Right. But the people should know that all these years later, Robert and Tina are still married, aren't are they not? Yes. They are. Of course I know, yes. Tell tell the listeners uh, a little bit more what you have know what you knew about Robert back then and maybe what you've discovered about him in the last twenty four years. He was a shady character. Um from what Pam had told me was that he was very abusive to Tina, that he would either beat the crap out of her or make his son do it. She was she was afraid of him. Now, that's what Pam told me. And so because of this, you're thinking that Pam was going to assist Tina you know, and leaving him and maybe Pam, you know, is talking in Tina's ear saying, you know, you don't have to put up with this. You know, I was in a marriage and I got divorced and look, I'm, I'm still fine. You know, you can do the same. Yeah. What is Roberts McIntosh's alibi for the day that Pam disappeared? He was digging a footing. He was like a contractor. He was digging, digging a footing for the Sylvan Hills ballpark. And the the ballpark, uh, the baseball fields had been there for a long time and they were adding on more fields. And there is a, a um, oh, it's one of those buildings that's way up high, like the announcers sit in, you know. Right behind the backstop. The, yeah, something mm-hmm. like that. Uh, there is one of those. I had noticed I was at the, the ballpark last weekend, and I had noticed that. Now, how long it's been there, I don't know. But that was his alibi. Now, I don't know how many people dig a footing at 8, 9, 10 o'clock at night. I, I, would, I would agree with that, although I've never been in construction. How well did you personally know Robert and Tina? Had you ever met them before? Did you ever hang out with them? I, 
I had met them um, at, you know, they would, uh, like, I would go and, and, you know, see Pam ride or, you know, go to the horse shows. Just acquaintances. Didn't really know them. So anything that you would know about what was going on in their relationship and fa- their family would be from Pam. You wouldn't know that Correct. on your own. Right. And right. was there, did anybody else that you know know them? Or was uh yeah yes I had a cousin I had a cousin um that that was in the in the same um she did the rodeoing as and well stuff like that so they just all kind of hung out together. Okay. Now after Pam disappeared, there's there was something strange that I would say it's strange that went on in Robert and Tina's. Uh, relationship. What can you tell the listeners about the prescription story? Well, according to the the sheriff's office, uh, Robert called them and said that she she had, Tina worked for a physician's office, and he called them and turned her in for forging prescriptions, and she was arrested. And so they, you know, got her in and interviewed her and did whatever and said, okay, we'll let you go, but you have to turn state's evidence or whatever against Robert in the disappearance of Pam. And she didn't do it. And the next thing you know, Robert bailed her out of jail and they've lived happily ever after. So, uh, so the police, as far as you know, uh, how did you find out that you they they tried to give her a deal? How did you find that out? They 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 called me and told me. The police told you this. Yes, yes. It wasn't the sheriff's office; it was the state police. The Arkansas State Police. Yes. And she did not go along with that. She decided nope. that she was going to keep her mouth shut. And she got bailed out by the very person who put her there in the first place. Do you know that if she ever got in trouble for that, that she ended up pleading guilty? Do you know anything that happened regarding that? No. After that, I was done. I did not want to see her, talk to her, or nothing. And so she gets out of jail, and they they continued to be married uh, to this very day. But you you personally believe that this this divorce that Tina allegedly was wanting to leave Robert was the reason that Pam disappeared. Yes. Okay. Let's move on to a couple other stories, though. Uh, a couple facts, some things that were going on in Pam's life, and I guess kind of your life as well, that were going on at the same time that that obviously would raise a lot of questions, I think, in a lot of other cases. What can you tell the listeners? Pam was due to give testimony in a case regarding a, a new guy into this story, his name's being George Wilcox. Correct. What can you tell the listeners about that? Uh, where we actually live, like I said, we live in the country and we all three live together. On the other side of my brother's property is there's a wooded area and bean fields, crop fields. And when we first moved out here, we used to ride our horses back in there all the time. And and I cannot recall 
how this woman found me, but she found me, and she was with the the federal government, I'm assuming, and questioned me about us riding horses. And she said uh, she wanted me to give a deposition as to he filed an insurance claim, said he planted this crop and it didn't make or it flooded or whatever. And she wanted me to give a deposition saying, yes, there was crops planted there. And she also wanted Pam because Pam and I rode horses together quite a bit all back in there. And I said, okay. So the woman comes to the to my flower shop and she talks to me and she said, okay, I need you to come to the federal courthouse and give this deposition. So I go to the federal courthouse and give this deposition. And actually where she was talking about, I'd never ridden over there. And I said, no, I've never ridden that because that's real close to the highway. And I said, I've never ridden there. We've always ridden back this way. And so basically, I was useless to them. But Pam was supposed to go and give her deposition on that following Monday. And this lady called me at my flower shop on Monday and wanted to know where Pam was. And I said, I don't know where Pam was. She disappeared. Thursday. So, just so the least listeners are keeping track of the days, on the very day that Pam's truck was discovered in that parking lot, that was the day that she was supposed to give her deposition in this case that the federal right. government was interested in regarding George Wilcox and him filing an insurance claim right. uh, for yeah. allegedly losing crops due to whatever reason. Uh, right. Would Pam have known any more about those crops than you would have? Yes. Now, now Pam knew, uh, you know, she knew George Wilcox. I just knew him in passing. Uh, because of some of the, the dealings that she had had with my daddy, uh, they had land that bordered each other, and, you know, he was wanting to be this big time whatever farmer uh he was another shady character uh and and when she was you know getting away from the family and this this friend of my father's who uh loaned her or co-signed for the truck that was another one that they were kind of all in together you know what i'm saying i mean you had robert mcintosh and and uh, George Wilcox, they kind of did things together, you know, Robert being a contractor and George being whatever George is. Um, so, you know, just, just shady characters. So if she knew that he didn't actually plant crops, you know what I'm saying? I mean, because I was going to tell her, well, you know, this is where it was, and I don't ever remember riding horses up there, but I, I never got the chance. But in no time when you two were riding horses together, did she go, like, off on her own where these crops would have been? Oh, yes. It, it, yes, yes. I mean, we didn't always ride together. You know, I might mm. come in from work one day and, you know, decide, well, I'm just going to go ride horses. You know, and she might have done it because she was home all, all the time. 
And on top of that, she knew George Wilcox a little better yes. personally than you did. So yes. it might she might have been in a position where she might have known something suspicious was going on without even riding horses out there. Right. Right. Okay. Right. And when did you give your deposition? How soon before she disappeared did you give your deposition? Deposition, and then we know like four days later is when she was supposed to give hers. You know, I had been really trying to rack my brain to figure that out, um, and it might have been on that Wednesday that she was working, which I don't think so because I don't think I would have left her alone. So it might have been the Tuesday before uh, Pam started working okay so like maybe deposition was two days before she your deposition was two yeah. days before she disappeared would you say yeah yeah okay and just so the listeners would get an idea of what we're trying to say here is that there's a possibility here that george wilcox might have been filing for an insurance claim for crops he never planted right just like no different than any in their insurance claim where Somebody goes and drives their truck into the river to the bottom and then goes to the insurance company and says it was stolen. Something yeah. like that. Yeah. Do you know whatever but came of – excuse me, go ahead. don't mess with the federal government. <laughs> yes. I don't like that. Yeah, That is true. Do you ever – do you remember uh, what came of that case against George Wilcox? No, no, no. Do you think that – Pam disappearing might have affected it one way or the other. Do you have any idea what she was going to testify to? Had you talked about it? No, I had not. All right, so you had no and idea. Okay, please. No, and I don't know, and I can't remember if the lady had told me, don't talk to your sister about this. You know, don't tell her what you said. And she might have. I, like I said, it's been 24 years. I can't remember. But that conversation, I, those two days you worked together, your deposition, what you said, and what she was going to say never came up. Right, right. Okay. If it did, I really don't. I really don't remember. And that, that of course, is possible after twenty-four years. I, I, however, I would also believe that if the, the conversation did come up and she did say that she was going to say, you know what, I don't think he ever planted anything out there. I'm guessing that's probably something you would remember because that would be considerably yeah. noteworthy. Yeah, yeah. We have one more story. I mean, we have the uh, Robert and, and Tina divorce story. Uh, we have this testimony that Pam was going to give that she never got to give or disappearing right before she was supposed to give it. And that's a uh, a pattern that we've had on this program before with the disappearance of Lola Catherine Fry. She was supposed to testify against some doctors and Dow Corning. She disappeared right before she was supposed to give this testimony. It reminds me a lot of that. But we have one more story, and it, we go back to Robert McIntosh. And it has to do, we talked about your father, about an auction that was done after he died. What can you tell the listeners about that? Uh, he had uh, a lot of heavy equipment, uh, construction equipment, and just stuff like that. And... So we had to have, excuse me, an estate auction, and Robert was there. I did not go because I, I said I, I I can't deal with that. I went out of town. I said I, I don't want to deal with it. Pam was there. Uh, she actually bought a piece of equipment that um, 
belonged to us as when we were children. But Robert had bought a piece of equipment for $12,000. And he writes a check. Well, the check is hot. He's got the equipment. The check is hot. So Pam, and Pam handled all that. She took it to our attorney and said, okay, this check is hot. You know. And what's the amount? You can say the amount. What was the amount for? It was $12,000. And uh, nothing ever came of it. And when you say nothing ever came of it, meaning, and what year did this auction happen, would you say? Pam disappeared in 1993. Would you say what year did this auction take place? When did Robert get his hands on this piece of equipment? I want to say it was uh, early 93, like at the beginning of the year. So like six months before she disappeared approximately. Yeah, yeah. And it was Pam who headed up this idea of really getting this money from him. The, the check bounces, and he still ha- he got to hang on to this piece of equipment. Do you remember Pam saying anything about this? Being that she, of course, knew Robert and Tina better than you did, or any maybe of anybody else in your family, did she? Do you remember saying anything? Being disgusted with a friend that would do something like that. Yes, but it wasn't while she was working with me at the flower shop because, like I said, she took the check to our attorney um, who was handling the, you know, daddy's estate and everything. And there was, she had all the paperwork. And when she, when we went out to her house and got everything, we brought it back to my, my brother's house. And I was actually going to go through it to see if we could find anything. Well, my brother's house burnt to the ground. So there you go. There's none of that. None of that left. Um, But she tried to pursue it as far as like with the attorney. And I'm not really sure how hot checks, you know, especially that amount. Um, I know that you know, we contacted the, the sheriff's office about it, but I don't think ever, anything ever come about it. I mean, obviously, we didn't get the $12,000. You didn't get the $12,000, and you didn't get the piece of equipment back either. What was the piece of equipment? Do you remember? Uh, no, I really can't remember. I don't know if it was a backhoe, uh, a dozer. I, I'm really not sure. So several pieces of large equipment. Okay. Do you do you know if he ever bounced anybody any checks with anybody else? No. Uh, to your not to your knowledge. No. no. Okay. I'm sure he did. And and he never apologized for bouncing that check. Obviously, he never had to pay a fine. Nothing. Never apologized. Nothing. And you just had to put up with it. Yep. Okay. Did I know when we first talked, you thought that there might have been something suspicious about that. Do you, do you think that there was some going on behind, like maybe political maneuvering or something behind that? Or I, I really and truly think that he has something on somebody, whether it be a judge, whether it be someone with the police department. I mean, I really believe that. I mean, if you or I wrote a $12,000 hot check, I believe they'd be coming after us. I think you're right. Yeah, you know, so I, 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 don't, I never understood that. 
Okay. You know, I, I never understood how come they just really, and you know, I don't even know if the, the sheriff's office went to the city of Sherwood and said, hey, was there a footing being dug? Because it's like, you know, they wrote the they wrote the report and, you know, there'd be one or two little things here and there. And I had to constantly, constantly call them. Is there anything new? Is there anything I can do? You know, and this went back and forth, back and forth. And over the years we have had I cannot tell you how many detectives. Because, you know, this one right here, his name was Hoop Gibson. You know, he finally retired. Well, when he retired, then they put somebody else in charge of cold cases. Well, you know, he'd look at cold cases, and he would come talk to me, and, oh, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. And then before you know it, he's moved on. And then there'll be somebody else. And, and I mean, this has gone on for 24 years. And several years ago, we had an attorney general that did, uh, he did a program every year for missing persons. And he invited the families uh, to this luncheon, and he gives this big speech, and, you know. And I did a couple of television interviews. Well, at one point, there was a detective that we had and wanted to have some DNA taken. He took it from my mother and my sister's oldest, uh, youngest son, Chad. They go over to the police department. They do the DNA, you know, and here it is. This is it. I took them some some pictures that were hanging in her house of her boys that I was thinking, you know, that were in frames. And I was thinking maybe when she put, the pictures in there, she touched the glass and her fingerprints would be on it. So I carried the, you know, the pictures over there. I haven't seen the pictures since. So then when we go to this luncheon, they're doing this DNA thing again. <clears throat> and my nephew said, well, we've already done it. Oh, well, we don't know where it is. They lost it. And it was, yeah, and it was actually the detective that we had right then that, that this was another new one, uh, was the same one that took the DNA for my mother and my nephew. So we, me and my nephew, did DNA. And now if they still got it, I don't know. I've had, had, had since then tried to call that detective. Well, he's gone. So there's, there's nobody on it now. There's nobody. no consistency either. It's not like the no, same person. No just gets passed on from one person to the next. And that's a very common story about these disappearances that I've covered. Very common. Yep. From Arkansas to California to Florida to New York, it's a very common story and it's horrible. Yep. Yep. Now that you look back at that day and you, I mean, I'm, I'm sure it's etched in your mind and will be for the rest of your life. This, her leaving, but leaving in the wrong direction. What do you think what happened that day? What what are your suspicions regarding that? Uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know if maybe Robert might have called her and said, hey, listen, I've got $12,000 cash I'm going to give you for this hot check. That would have gotten her to meet him. 
I believe. Somebody intercepted her somewhere between my flower shop and her or Tina's house. Some way. Yeah, and the but the, those boxes, no boxes were ever picked up. So you just wonder if maybe she did have the idea that, well, you know, I know where that liquor store is, but these grocery stores, maybe that just occurred to her as she was walking out to her truck. And maybe yeah. you've entertained the idea that maybe she was being followed as well. Yes. It could, I mean, I'm sure, you know, it wouldn't have been no problem to find out the address of my flower shop. It was in the phone book. So, you know, if Robert or George Wilcox or whatever, I mean, Robert obviously knew that, you know, she was going to work at my flower shop for three days. Maybe he was sitting out in the front lot waiting on her. Maybe he followed her. Maybe he, you know, you know, pull off. I want to talk to you for a while or something. Or maybe, yeah, or maybe it was somebody else that was uh, fearful of maybe her testimony that she was going to give that. I mean, there's, you know, there's a variety of scenarios that um, that we could go through. Of course, the thing that's always going to stick out is probably the best, best known part about this case is her pulling out of that, your parking lot and going the wrong way. Right. That, that, that's a real stumper. Um, You know, I had asked Chad about this her her uh, son and I like I said he was very helpful and uh, clarifying some things for me giving me uh, even more information you know I asked him if there was possibly any other suspects maybe another guy that Pam might have been involved with any proof of that any suspicions of that outside of these people who we've already named any knowledge of that no no not at all okay and what has gone on since? What uh, has gone on, to your knowledge, what has gone on in some of these people's lives? George Wilcox is not with us anymore, is he? Correct. And I can't tell you if Robert McIntosh is alive or his wife, Tina. I did see them, uh, it's been uh, four or five years ago, at, uh, a friend of mine had what he called old man bull riding, which it was actually my brother and all of his friends. And um, we I, we went up there to see him ride, and Tina and Robert were there. And Tina approached me and was going to try and talk to me, and I just told her, I said, I have nothing to say to you, nothing, and just turned around and walked off. So she tried. She tried. There. She tried to talk to you, really. Yes. And her daughter had had uh, saw my little brother at one of these uh, bull riding things, and he came up. She came up to John, that's my brother, and said, "Oh, have you seen Pam lately?" And then she said, "Oh, never mind." So, what was that about? Does she know where Pam is? Was she saying, "Oh, never mind," because? Pam's disappeared, you know. I mean, my my brother mentioned that to me the other day, and you know, it, it, it that that's another thought in your mind. Does Tina know where my sister is? 
Does her family know where my sister is? No. Yeah. Do yeah. they know that she ran, you know, if she ran away from home? You know what I'm saying? I do. Uh, what happened to Pam's horses after she disappeared? Did somebody get them? Or? Uh, uh, yes, we brought them home here next door mm-hmm. uh, where my ex-brother-in-law lives. Okay. Rita, what did this do to your family? I mean, at some point, and I have this, I asked this question of, of everybody that's on this program. I know that at some point, it varies from case to case, disappearance to disappearance. At some point, friends and family start realizing, you know what, I don't think this person is coming back. Or if she is or he is, maybe that he or she did run off to start a new life. Uh, when did that happen for you? And what has this done to your family since? Well, uh, my mother passed away in 2011, and it was very devastating for her, very devastating, uh, because she had lost my middle sister, you know, in between the time, Uh, and she never really got over it. I'm still not over it. I mean, like I said, her house that she built and my house that she helped me build. I mean, I see it every day, every day. And she is never off my mind. Uh, My brother is a little bit different just because he's my brother. Um, He wasn't as close to Pam as I was. Um, it, It, It hadn't really split the family because, you know, my brother might might think one thing and I think another and we wouldn't agree on it. You know, I've got cousins and, and uh, you know, that, that we all grew up together because our family, uh, especially my, my mother's side of the family, we were all close growing up. Um, it, it, it's still hard for everybody. And especially on the day that she disappeared. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's it's every year. It's a constant reminder. And, um, you know, if she hadn't have, if she hadn't have disappeared, I truly believe that, you know, I would have my two nephews living next door to me and all the precious grandbabies all right here together. You know, my daughter was real close to Pam. She was actually named after her. Uh, and my son, too. And, you know, when she disappeared, I mean, my little girl was like in fifth grade. So that was kind of hard for her. She couldn't understand where her Aunt Pam was. And uh, that's, it's you know, it's been kind of hard on all of us. Yeah, um, sure I guess I just, I just kind of take it... Uh, Sometimes I feel like it's me and Chad are the ones that are constantly trying to find answers. Yeah, and I and and I I got to talk to him, and I'm not going to you know uh, without him actually being on this program, I'm not you know going to go deep into what we talked about, but um, you know about his feelings and everything. But he seems to be a very good guy. You know, it's seen. You know, excellent daddy. Yeah. Yes. 
And we talked about and that he, a little bit, yeah. He tells his two kids about his mama. You know, that they've never, I mean, she disappeared before he even got married. So, you know, and I talk about him. You know, I talk about her. You know, I, I tell them stories. I mean, even though they don't know her, you know, I've got pictures of her, you know, and I say, you know, this is this is my sister, and I wish you had known her, and, you know, would have had, you know, 30 acres of horses running around, and because she's got one, her oldest granddaughter is, is like her. She loves horses, and her uh, grandson is crazy about horses. So it kind of runs in the family a little bit, you know. Um, things would have just been so much different. Yeah. Where uh, can people find you and, and more information? Do you have a Facebook page and or, or anything like that? Uh, I, I do. I do have a Facebook page. Okay. Um, Tell the listeners about it. It's it's just Rita Ott Hall. Okay. Um, there is a Missing Persons of Arkansas Facebook page, which actually doesn't have anything to do with the police department. This is an individual who has made it his life's work to get Missing Persons of Arkansas up and running. Uh, a couple of years ago, and this was, the, and I had, had also done a television interview about this, is there are, at the time, 400 missing persons in Arkansas, in the state of Arkansas. There wasn't even probably 120 of them on. When you type in missing persons in the mm -hmm. state of Arkansas, mm -hmm. there was only like 120 people's picture. This gentleman has got it to where it, he's got everybody's picture up there. And uh, our attorney general, you know, did this big course. It was election year. Uh, you know, that was something that they were going to get up and running. They were going to get all 400 of these people's pictures on this website. You know, get it out there nationwide. They didn't do it. This, this gentleman did. Let's give this. And what I'm is this guy's name so we can give him a shout out for the good work that he's doing? Do you know his name? I'm not familiar with him. I can tell you I'm going to find out who he is. But if you know his well, name, please, please tell the listeners I who it is. Cannot, I, I honestly do not know his name. Uh, like I said, it's Missing Persons of Arkansas. Uh, whenever he he posts something at least hmm. two or three times a week. And when he does, I always share it on my Facebook page. Mm -hmm. Always. You know, this is interesting, and probably some of my listeners who have been uh, around for a while, they know that I've covered a few disappearances in Arkansas now, and it's because it seems that that guy is doing good work, that the, the, the news about these cases is getting out there, and they're getting in front of the, my eyeballs, in front of some of my listeners' you know, eyeballs, who then tell me, you know, do you know anything about this case, Ed? Because I've done the disappearance of Ronnie... Russell, who disappeared in Arkansas, Clea Hall, 
is another one that I did in, in Arkansas as well within the last few months. So yeah. uh, whatever's going on in Arkansas, that guy I think is doing a good job, and I'd like to know his he name is, too. He is. He is. He really is. Mm. And like I said, uh, I'm not real computer savvy. Uh, I, I managed to look at my Facebook page, uh, you know, just to see what everybody's doing. Uh, but I, I do share his information whenever there is a new case coming up or, you know, somebody has recently disappeared. I always share it because if I think if they would have had something like this or the Internet or email when Pam disappeared, I would have put put it on an email and sent it wherever it needed to go. I mean, you know, I you know, I told you she was kind of like buying and selling horses, uh, like going to Oklahoma. I would have sent it to every sale barn in the state of Oklahoma, you know, or Texas, or you know, around the sure. deal. Yeah, uh, you. They didn't have that twenty four years ago, no. so you know, anytime I can help, you know, sharing this you know, missing persons of Arkansas with my friends, which are all in Arkansas, so, uh, but it, it gets it out there, you know, and if they share it with their friends, they might have friends, I mean, you know, how Facebook is, um, you just, you never know, you never know. Uh, I have done, uh, like I said, I've done several interviews with one of our local stations here, and I always post it. And say, you know, be sure and watch this. Uh, you know, maybe somebody will know something. You know what I'm saying? Just, just to get yeah, it out. Of course, of course, absolutely. Yes, and and you make a good point. And this is another topic that we've covered on Unfound before. That you know, technology makes all the difference. You know, you think about now with Pam, she probably would have had a cell phone. She probably would have had a Facebook page. You know, yep. and people, I mean, people today can be a lot, can be tracked a lot easier than in 1993, right. you know, so, you know, and that's, and that's unfortunate because there's no doubt yep. that a lot of disappearance cases, murder cases, all sorts of cases uh, have been solved due to the internet, due to cell yep. phone evidence and tracking people. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. You're 100% right. Yeah. Rita, any uh, last words before we conclude this interview for tonight? Just that, you know, keep on local law enforcement that just because someone is 42 years old and disappears does not mean they ran away from home. That an adult missing is just as devastating well, not just as devastating, but it's devastating to the families as if a child was missing. I mean, I, I don't know what would happen if one of my, my children were missing or, you know, a child or somebody I know, but it's still devastating to the family. It's all the same. To the people that, yeah, it's all the doesn't same. matter gender, doesn't matter ethnicity, right. doesn't matter age. It, it all hurts right. the same and it's all bad. Right, right. Rita, thank you for being on this episode of Unfound. Uh, thank you for doing it. You're welcome. And that was my interview with Rita Hall, sister of Pam Golden. 
Pam's son Chad and Rita's cousin Stephanie also assisted in putting this interview together. I thank both of them for their contributions. The only positive point that can be said about this case is that there aren't a lack of suspects. This isn't a case of a person seemingly disappearing into thin air for no reason. However, possibly like last week's case of Craig Freer, we once again have a host of possible motives for a disappearance, but none of the facts and suspicions seem to go together. Was it the $12,000? Is that a better possibility than Pam testifying in the insurance fraud case? Is the insurance fraud case a more plausible reason than Pam trying to help Tina leave her husband, Robert? I really have no idea, and I don't believe Pam's disappearance has to do with all of them. Or could it be something else? Something we don't know about? I'm just going to point out some curious points from the interview, and I'll also mention something not covered in my discussion with Rita. Then, as usual, I'll leave the rest of the theorizing up to you. My number one point, I'm surprised there wasn't more talk between Rita and Pam about Pam's upcoming testimony. I absolutely believe Rita when she says that, but that Pam didn't bring it up during those two days of working together is interesting to me. I think I'd be talking to my siblings if I was about to testify about something, especially if they'd already given a deposition as well. I'm not sure what it means, but it's curious. Does it mean Pam actually knew something important about the case and didn't want to get Rita involved? Maybe. My number two point. Robert and Tina McIntosh never did get divorced. So let me get this right. Tina was to the point that a friend was coming over to help her move, then remains with her husband after her friend disappears. Furthermore, her husband gets her thrown in jail, bails her out, and she remains married to him. I tell you, I have to really wonder if Tina was sincerely going to divorce her husband at all. Was Pam lured to the Macintosh house for some reason? Was it because of the $12,000? My number three point. The truck being abandoned so close to where Pam worked that previous Thursday. That is not a coincidence. Whoever parked it couldn't really believe that anybody would think it was parked there since that past Thursday. However, it makes me wonder if somebody was watching Pam that Thursday she disappeared, and that person parked in the exact same parking lot where the truck was found. Then when Pam came out to her truck that Thursday, this person is waiting and jumps into her truck with her. And that's the reason Pam pulls out and goes the wrong direction that day. Then this person brings the truck back later parks it, then leaves in his own car that had been sitting nearby for those four days. Because Pam pulling out and turning the wrong way is where I believe this disappearance starts. The wrong turn is what started the events that led to her disappearance. And one more thing. It should be known that a few years later, not right after Pam disappeared, the Macintosh's son committed suicide by shooting himself in the woods. He had a criminal record, and as you heard in the interview, the rumor was that he had abused his mother just like his father did. But it's just a rumor. Did he commit suicide due to some sort of guilt? With that, I'll leave the rest of the theorizing up to you. And that's the program. If you found it informative, please go to iTunes and give Unfound a five-star review. I thank you for listening. I'm Ed Denzel. And you've been listening to 
unfound. 